I am Ryan, the life changer, and I am so grateful that you decided to join me today. This podcast is called Unlock the Power of Your Mind. Let me ask you a question. Are you ready for your life to change? Are you ready to unlock the power of your mind? Are you ready to be the best version of you possible? I want to help you. I want this podcast to give new positive meanings to the difficult times that you faced in your life. And I want to help you become the best version of you possible. This is your time. The change is happening for you now. I know you're ready. Let's help today to change your life. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for joining me for another episode of Unlock the Power of Your Mind. Today I have with me Allison Manzi. She is a holistic wellness expert and founder of Ion Wellness. She is also the host of her podcast, Soul Sweat. So Allison, thank you so very much for joining me this morning. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Awesome. So share with the listeners a little bit about yourself, your early childhood, so that they can feel a little bit more connected with you and kind of understand some of your background. Um, sure. Um, I started out as a dancer. I was a dancer since age three. Um, I started doing competitive dance um, and competitive theater. Um, I also played basketball. I did lacrosse when I was in college. Um, so as an athlete, I was kind of always connected to my body um, and connected to wellness, and I really had a passion for it. Um, I started coaching younger cheerleaders. I did cheerleading as well. So I started coaching younger girls about 11 to 14 um, in high school. So that really sort of sparked that uh, coaching mentality or that love for coaching. Um, it's kind of a natural thing. Me, I was always sort of the leader of my group. So that really sort of inspired my step into the coaching world. Um, I started college actually as an actress. Um, I was studying music and dance. Um, so again, always had that kind of physical element, always feeling connected to my body, especially creatively. Um, and it's kind of a, an element that isn't talked about with wellness, but I think is a, a very huge, important part of it. And as an actress in New York City, um, typical case, I was a waitress and kind of struggling to make ends meet, and I didn't enjoy that. Um, so I became a personal trainer to make ends meet while I was auditioning and to have that sort of flexibility while I was auditioning. And as soon as I became a coach, I had my first client. And, you know, I was just kind of doing this as a, as a side job just to make money. I didn't necessarily seek that out as a career. I loved it, but I wasn't set on having that as a career. And after about two months, um, I was hooked and I never went back to auditioning. I, I loved that uh, feeling of making somebody's day better or even that first person that said, you changed my life. I was like, that's it. I'm doing this forever. Yeah. That's such a powerful, powerful thing when you hear it for the first time, right? You, you helped to change my life. Oh yeah. It's addictive. <laughs> Um, and, and so share with the listeners, and this is cool because you have a, a unique background in the way that you got into it. Share with the listeners, maybe one of the biggest takeaways that you would see in the parallel between dancing and performing um, and, and how that helped you to really get connected to your body and understanding your body and, and listening, listening to it. 
Yeah, I think that this is a really important thing to talk about. Um, it, you know, creativity is is sort of boxed into this, you know, painting, drawing, and people think of it so much as a skill, um, which it is on its own, but they think it's like something that you're born with or you're not. You know, if I can't draw, I'm not creative, or if I can't play the piano, I'm not creative. But for me, it's more so about this point in your day um, or your week, your month, whatever, when you take that time to be quiet with yourself and listen to your body and sort of, it's very meditative and sort of stop those overriding thoughts when you're, you know, being analytical and and making choices, you know, 30,000 times per second or whatever our brain does. And just sort of feeling what you're feeling and just letting the thoughts and the movements or, or the, the paintings or whatever the case, whatever your medium is, because creativity is so general, um, letting that sort of flow right from your brain to your body or right to your medium and sort of stopping that, that over-processing, that judgment, decision-making um, that can sometimes really um, inhibit us. I mean, it's there for a reason. It's there to protect us, obviously. Um, but a lot of times it can be, it can get in our own way. Um, and making good choices. And that can come into play with health as well. Um, and that sort of freeing experience that you have with creativity and with yourself, that that quiet time is a big part of creating sort of that self-love and that relationship with yourself. And that to me is really the root of health and wellness, because when you have a lot of that self-love and that connection to your body and, and what, how you're treating it and how it's responding to you, um, that's going to encourage you to make these better health choices for a lifetime and not just for, you know, a six week juice cleanse or something, but keeping that throughout your entire life because you do it for yourself, not for, you know, to lose 10 pounds. Yeah. Amen. For sure. And one other thing I want to touch on about your unique background is how you got into to coaching with the um, cheerleaders at a young age. So uh, to the mothers and the fathers out there or listeners that are, that are growing up and, and playing sports, what was one takeaway of one thing that you really noticed in, in coaching these young girls, you know, whether it be tips or advice either to the parents or to the young ladies directly uh, on how they can find a healthy balance between, you know, excelling at their sport or their craft or their hobby, but also keeping in touch with wellness? Because I know sometimes we can push ourselves too hard or, or maybe go in too much and and we lose fun and 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 also leave ourselves open to injuries or or burnout so what advice or actionable strategies do you have to share with the listeners there on how to find the balance yeah absolutely i mean that's something that i still struggle with i mean as an athlete it's sort of in my blood to have that competitive element um even with workouts and i have to really check myself actively um i think when it comes to you know parents like you mentioned the first thing is kids watch every single thing you do. They watch the way you breathe. They watch the way that your face responds to certain things. They watch the decisions that you make with your own life. Um, So leading by example is really, really important. Um, And like I said, every single little bit, they pick up on that, that tone underneath, you know, something that you said to them. Um, So making sure that you can establish that healthy relationship with yourself first kind of like putting on that oxygen mask when the plane's going down, you know, you have to help yourself first before you can help anybody else because they see everything. They're so smart. The way those girls would watch me, I mean, they were really young and impressionable. They're like 11, 12. um, And they would watch every single thing I did. Um, So I had to really be careful and make sure I was really modeling that behavior. So we can't just like tell we have to do. Um, And also in terms of trying to find that balance between the burnout um, and also still pushing yourself and growing and, and challenging yourself, 
for me, what's really helped me is focusing on the process, being process driven and not results driven, because you can still get gratification from seeing that process and seeing yourself change and evolve. Um, and then it's just focus on progress. And that's just always relative. You know, if you're better than you were the day before, that's always going to be an accomplishment regardless of people around you, right? Because that's something that we can't really control. and We don't really want to measure our value based on the people around us because that can be kind of unhealthy or it can be you know, hurtful at times. But if we're just measuring our own progress and just having, having your kids or yourself focusing on the process and what you're getting out of the experience and what you're learning from it and how you're growing as a person from being involved in sports or seeing yourself run faster or what are you enjoying out of it, seeing how you're appreciating your body because you're playing sports. So just really focusing on the process and what you're getting out of just participating and just being and doing and not focusing on the results or the measurement or the comparison that comes with winning or losing. Yeah. Awesome. Love it. Those are some great, great takeaways. So let's take it now. Fast forward to you've had your first person come to you and say, Allison, thank you so much for changing my life. You get addicted to it. Certainly I understand and can relate with that feeling. Where did you take your, your health and wellness career from there? Yeah. So it was kind of interesting because like a lot of trainers, you kind of step into it with an idea of what kind of trainer you're going to be. And then a lot of times that, that changes. Um, because as a coach, so much of our coaching skill and our success is based on our personality. And those are things that are kind of just given to us, you know, we can't necessarily change them. So, um, I went into training thinking I was going to be this sports trainer. You know, um, I started out one of my first clients was a former NFL player, um, which was hilarious because I would stand on a huge, you know, five, five, I would stand on a huge box to yell at him doing his burpees. <laughs> um, so and I really thought I was going to be the sports trainer because that's what I love. And then the more I started working with people, you know, I worked in a, like a corporate gym. Um, and so I had just a very, you know, your typical average American, your mom and your dad, your working person. Um, and so my skills really evolved based on the needs, um, not only from a means of, of making a living and seeing what people really needed from me, but also not being able to, to help them the way I wanted to. So seeing how many people were injured, had pain, restrictions, um, that really encouraged me to go into therapeutic exercise, um, which is focused more on, again, the process um, and really working on how to understand your body, how to um, use your body to sort of prevent these future injuries, so more preventative wellness. Um, and then from there, once I got into that, uh, arena. That was really awesome. That was a huge step for me and really helped my, my training career blow up because um, so many people needed it. And so few trainers were, were studying, you know, corrective exercise and taking the time to really focus on that um, because they wanted to just, you know, have people run drills and, and sweat, which is awesome. We need that too. Um, but then from there, seeing how people would just kind of fall off. Like I had these great programs and I felt so confident in what I was giving them and still seeing people fail. So I was like, okay, well, the program's good, but people still aren't sticking to what they're doing. And they were still having trouble being successful. And I just felt this wall between myself and the client, between this awesome program that I was giving them. And when they would stick to it, the results were incredible, but probably nine out of 10 clients weren't sticking to it. And I felt this sort of helplessness that I really wanted to help these people, like genuinely, like this person, not my clients these people that became my friends and there that wall was their mentality 
and it was so frustrating for me. And I was like, that's it. I, I got to fix it. So then I went and got the behavior coaching license, the habit change. Um, and that was the absolute game changer because I was finally able to reach them and finally able to help people make these choices and make these changes in their life that really revolutionized the way that they were living every single day because we were looking at their thought processes and what goes behind making decisions for them and making choices. And that affects everything in our life. And once we can understand that and when I could help them bring that awareness to what they're thinking and why they're thinking and, and what choices they make because of it, then they have control over their whole lives, their diet, their exercise, their meditation, their relationships, their self-confidence, everything. So it really became this evolutionary approach. And once I saw that, once I saw those first few people change, I was like, that's it. I have to spread this to as many people as possible. I feel obligated. Um, and that's when Ion was born. Awesome. Love it. So let's talk about that wall for a second and try and break it down a little bit. In your professional experience, what would be some identifying, you know, identification type factors where people can realize that they've put up the wall? So, for instance, what would you hear somebody saying either about themselves, about their wellness journey, about their life, where you would realize, hey, that's a wall you're building, and let me step in here to help you make that mindset shift? Yeah. So that's a great question because there is one thing that I see all the time and is really the foundation of um, the wellness program that I've put together for ION, um, and that's perspective. And perspective is something that, you know, people seem to understand that their circumstances or their environment or their situation is fixed. And they seem to believe that because of the way that they're seeing something the way it is now, um, that they can't change it. And that's the biggest wall you could imagine, right? And they sort of make these excuses and, and they sort of, and it's, you know, it's not malicious. It's not, it's not a poor character, but it's sort of just, they don't realize that they have the power to change it. And they sort of start to create these excuses and, and get that sort of victim mentality almost because they feel like they're um, like a victim or a prisoner of their environment. Because the way that they're seeing it is the way that the situation exists and they don't realize they have the power to change it. So being able to, you know, look at your approach and say, oh, hey, this situation is difficult because I said it was difficult. You know, I have people, I teach group classes as well. And, you know, most of the time this change happens over six weeks, eight weeks. But sometimes I see it happen right in front of me in a 45 minute class where people, you know, try to do an exercise and I go up to them and they say, I can't. And I give them, you know, like a trick or something or a modification or, or change the weight or whatever. And they suddenly do it. And they, they just see on their face, like, they just said, I can't. And then they just succeeded in a couple seconds because they tried a different way. So it's also about getting around these obstacles that people, when they come up against an obstacle, they've created this habit um, or this sort of um, psychological muscle memory, I guess, that when they hit an obstacle, they just stop. And so it's sort of retraining them to realize, like, hey, if I come up against something that's difficult or I can't do it, it doesn't mean that I am limited from being able to succeed in this avenue, this diet, this workout, whatever, losing 30 pounds. I need to train myself to start looking for solutions in other avenues and just adjusting my thinking to get around it or make it work for me so that way I can achieve it and not just hitting one bump in the road and stopping. Yeah. Amen. Love it. So for the listeners out there, could you share 
one example of, of a specific individual and maybe some of the things that they had said and then how, I mean, of course you presented a, a tremendous example with the I can't and making the modification to the exercise, but can you share specifically, maybe it was a, a mental or psychological wall that they had built up through some of the verbiage of what they were saying, because maybe the listeners will be able to think like, oh man, I can catch myself saying that as well. So can you specifically share an example there, Allison? Totally. So one of the biggest things I see, um, and one of my first clients who was sort of my guinea pig, she was with me for, I think, five years, which is awesome. Um, and she was with me as a client before I became a behavior coach and throughout the process and for about two years after. So she was like sort of my first project and she went through the whole process with me, which is awesome. And now she's on her own and thinking about coaching as well, which is really, really cool. Um, that's, that's the ultimate gift. Um, so a big thing is diet and nutrition, right? Cause I feel like the gym, like it's not as much of a struggle for people. Like they know they need to get there and like what they do when they get there is sometimes a struggle, but getting there is kind of like a little bit more in their control. But I think nutrition is a lot harder because you have to eat and choices are not always in our control. So a big thing that I found with clients is, like I said, sort of um, blaming the environment in a sense. And they set themselves up to be in a position where they're only left with a choice that's unfavorable. So for example, um, you know, if they're trying to eat, if they're trying not to eat bread and saturated fat, for example, and they go to a baseball game with their family and they say, oh, I had to eat a hot dog and fries because that's all they had. So that's a perfect example of, of it's the baseball game's fault because they didn't have any healthy food. And so they feel like, oh, I couldn't change what was at the baseball game because that's how they're seeing it. So instead of like coming up against this obstacle and saying, okay, what are my other options? Maybe I can go off site or really, which we're all thinking, it would be to bring something before or eat something before. So it's looking at these preventative measures and these ways to get around things um, or saying, you know, um, I was running late and I didn't have time to get something good before I came to this workout session. So I had to, so I had a bag of chips because it's all the store had. Okay. Well, it's not the store's fault. It's you were running late. So it's really looking at, and it's not, it's not blame, but it's accountability in the sense that when we realize that we do have this controller that we, we could have possibly affected the situation differently with our choices. Um, we realize that we have power over it because we can change it. And that's, empowering and exciting. So it's not coming from a place of blame, like, oh, it's all your fault, but it's realizing, hey, there's something that I could have done here. And it's opening up those opportunities to say, hey, I'm not stuck in making these, you know, unfavorable choices that are going to lead me to an undesirable result or an unhealthy lifestyle. Love it. Yep, absolutely. So um, share with me, the listeners kind of now, how you would describe or define mind-body wellness, because we've talked about Hear the power of, of not allowing our mind to make excuses and how that can start to affect us. What is your expert opinion on mind-body wellness? What, what does that term mean to you? Yeah, so there's a couple kind of ways to interpret it because it's, you know, it has a couple facets. Um, you know, one thing is if you're talking about mind and body wellness, you know, wellness of the mind is really clarity. 
um, and understanding of your thoughts and choices, like I was mentioning. And also, you know, our, our mind really impacts our wellness, not just in the sense of, you know, your mood or, or depression or anxiety, but also the thoughts that we create based on the situations that we put ourselves in, kind of like I was talking about with the food choices and, you know, the choices that we make and the results that they create, we respond to them. And when we have these negative situations or these stressful situations or things that we view as stressful, we create cortisol production, which is harmful to our body. Um, so it does have that physiological level. Um, and we also, you know, when we make these good choices, we have that serotonin and dopamine response. So that affects our body in a positive way. So it has a lot of layers to it. Um, and that being said, it's kind of, and when you talk about the mind-body connection to each other, it's sort of the driver knowing how to drive the car, right? Like your body is the vehicle. Um, it's sort of the, the physical, the physical self. And the mind has to know how to drive the car properly. It has to know how to do a tune-up. It has to know how to change the oil. It has to know how to steer. It has to know how to, you know, not slam on the brakes. Um, so it's really just an understanding of your body and how it works and what it needs, um, how it functions, what health looks like for you. So really just kind of understanding and being in tune with, with your needs. Um, but most importantly, I think when it comes to mind and body health, our, our conscious mind makes our choices for us, right? We choose what to put in our body. We choose whether we exercise or we don't. Um, we choose whether we smoke or we don't. We drink or we don't. We sleep or we don't. And really that mind-body connection when it comes to health is about that self-love. You know, I look at nutrition and exercise as self-love. And a lot of people see it as a punishment. Um, and again, that's kind of what I was mentioning about changing perspective. Um, to me, the food that you put in your body is the ultimate form of self-love because you're, you're caring for your body. And your body's like, you have to imagine it like a helpless infant, right? Like whatever we feed it, that's what it gets. It doesn't really have a say. And that's how our body is, but it's our conscious mind making those decisions. So when we have a good relationship with our body and we love it, and we care for it, and we want to see it be healthy and move well and successful, um, we will treat it better. So really taking that time, and like I mentioned, through creativity um, and through perspective, being able to um, care for our body through our nutrition and our health and our mindfulness is really the, the ultimate mind-body connection because we have that intrinsic motivation and that desire to make those positive changes and those will stay with us. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome breakdown. So share with the listeners one specific example of, of somebody who came to you where there was a disconnect between their mind um, and their body and, or maybe they came to you with some hypokinetic diseases or, or somewhere where their, you know, maybe their doctor had said, Hey, you've got this, this, and this wrong with you. And then as you were able to enhance and, and make healthy the mind-body connection, they were able to shift into a new level of health and wellness. Yeah. Um, so in terms of, you know, Western medicine, um, I did have a client who, she was on antidepressants for migraines, which to me is a little um, aggressive of an approach. Um, and, you know, antidepressants have a lot of really intense effects in our body. Um, like it's a very strong drug and to be on it for something that's not directly correlated, um, was having a lot of effects on her and it was affecting her weight as well. Um, and you know, we started looking at her, her headaches and her migraines and found out it was just coming from her neck. She just had muscular tension up through her jaw, through her, um, her temporalis muscle. 
and that was giving her migraines. So we were able to, and you know, this came through a lot of like me questioning her a lot and her having to really think about it because, you know, again, a lot of people don't really take that time to sit and think about it. They kind of go the express route um, and they say, oh, a doctor needs to help me. Um, so they don't take that time to listen to their own body because we know our own bodies better than anyone else does. Even a doctor, even though they went to medical school, they still don't know our bodies as well as we do. Um, so looking at that and having her take that time to, how am I really feeling? What does it feel like? You know, does it feel like achy? Does it feel like a, you know, a tension? Um, and really sort of forcing her, I guess, to take that time to think about how her body's feeling, um, and really feeling connected to it and saying, Hey, like, I don't really just want to go for the fast route, uh, solution with this medication. Cause we really started talking about, you know, the way it affects her body and, and how that affects her mood and how that affects her relationships and her work. Um, and so she really kind of took that time to reflect and say, hey, let me think about what I'm actually doing to my body all the time and how it affects me. Um, so we were able to get her off of that medication, which made a huge impact in her life. Um, obviously, antidepressants really affect our emotions, and that affects everything we do. Um, and then she was able to cure these migraines through fixing her posture, correcting certain muscles um, that were weak, and um, you know, getting off of this medication. So it was a really big difference for her and having her sort of look into her body and think about really the ramifications of these medications. Cause we just assume when our doctor gives it to us, it's okay. Um, and it might solve the problem and that's their job. Their job is not to, to care for us the way we care for us. And I think we put that on doctors a lot. Um, and that's why we have the results we do as a, as a culture. Um, so just taking that time to really think about and bring awareness to the effects that these choices have in our bodies in the big scale because they think like, Oh, it's just a medication, but really thinking about what does that medication do to my body? And then how does that, how does that reaction to my body make me feel differently? And then the way I feel affects the way I interact with everyone around me and impacts my life. So that was a big change for her. And she starts looking at the, all of her health choices um, holistically from, from now going forward. Uh, that that's incredible, and I and I love how that ties back into what you were talking about before in in your life experience and in, in dance and performance and really getting in tune with your body. You know, you kind of helped her to get in tune with her body and and listen to her body and say, okay, well, this was not a a mental thing. This was actually a physical thing because my spine was was out of alignment, and once I got that fixed and and, and took some pressure off my neck, now the headaches were relieved, right? Yep. Yeah. It's just really looking at, and it's, and it's not so much about, you know, that physical change and that was the answer. So it wasn't, you know, related to mind body, but it's, it's taking that time and considering yourself um, and the care for yourself. Like I was mentioning that self-love, um, you know, or self-care, I should maybe say, but either way um, is really the root in making these healthy choices. Because if you're always, focus and caring for your body, and that's your priority, then your health is going to follow. So it's a really easy way to sort of start and, and think about that. But that's sort of, like you mentioned, through dance and creativity or whatever you love to do, setting aside that time to be with yourself in the quiet when you're not in this input phase, because we're in such an input mode all day um, at work with our cell phones, with TV um, conversations, and we don't take that time to stop. And, and listen to what our body is saying. We're kind of always quieting it down and telling it to hush because we're listening to something else. So that creative process or that quiet time meditation, whatever it is, taking that time to sit with yourself and just start having those conversations with, with your body or your feelings or um, 
you know, whatever's going on with you is so, so important to be able to start creating respect for your body, appreciation for it, um, and realizing that it knows better and sort of, you know, getting that sort of hierarchy um, between your body because we think we know best, our body knows best. So taking that time to build that relationship. And then once you realize, okay, my body really does need me and it really does um, have a lot to say and it has a lot of information and it knows best. Um, then using all of that information in that relationship going forward, all of our choices are going to be, they're always going to benefit us and they're always going to be um, healthy and, and mindful. Awesome. Love it. So share with the listeners more about Ion Wellness. I know that you had talked about it before. Um, share with the listeners a little bit more about uh, what your company does and what capacity that you help people. Um, and and uh, I'd love to learn more about this. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, ION is a program, it's a behavior change program. We call it lifestyle evolution. Um, so it really is most of what I've been talking about in terms of the change in our thought process and bringing awareness to our thoughts and why we make those choices. Um, you know, especially when it comes to making excuses at the gym or thinking that, that we can't succeed in our weight loss journey, um, or emotional eating and, and why we keep binging on ice cream every night, even though we don't want to, because theoretically that doesn't even really make sense. You know, I didn't want to, but we're in control. So there's sort of that disconnect there. Um, so it's really a process of bringing awareness to our obstacles, things that are standing in our way, um, which is usually ourselves. So really, um, identifying that and being able to create solutions, proactive solutions. So there's a system of creating action plans. Um, so it's very tangible, which is nice. It's not just, oh, listen to yourself or, you know, build your confidence, which is so vague. Um, it's very tangible. It takes you step by step and it's very specific in terms of what is your situation? What's standing in your way? Um, you know, why do you keep skipping meal prep? Why do you always pick, you know, an unhealthy lunch when you brought healthy food with you? So it's really looking at your choices. And it's that thought process of, of understanding why you do what you do and then how to be able to control that and fix that to make healthy choices going forward. And it's really that, you know, that foundation and these sustainable skills um, that we're teaching you going forward. So it's not just a workout program. It's not just a diet program um, that are sort of these really the ends. That's the last step in health and wellness, the workout and the diet program. And that's where people start. Um, and they sort of expect to be able to go into these programs um, and just follow them to the T, which we're human. Um, so that doesn't happen. And then we get discouraged. So this is really the, the process before that and sort of fine tuning, um, like I said, the driver of the car. So that way, when you do get to the wellness program, the diet, the six week, you know, um, workout or the P90X or, or whatever the case, you go in there as a soldier sort of armed with weaponry to be able to face any obstacles that come up that are, that are likely to derail you from your goals. Because that's what happens. I mean, that's why we're not successful. Something derails us. So it's, it's creating that, that skill set and that artillery to be ready when you go into the sort of war, so to speak, of, of facing this process of this transformation physically in reaching your goals um, nice. and getting you really, really prepared. Yeah. Awesome. And so is this something that's done at a corporate level? Do you do this one-on-one -on -one with individuals online or, or how, how can they get in touch with you if they want to enroll in your program? Yep. So there's a couple options. Um, for now, since it is relatively new, I am doing um, some in-person work. So I do speaking engagements um, that I can go into either community um, organizations or workplaces and give talks. 
um, you know, educational talks. There's also workplace wellness programs that are behavior change programs for the group. So just like a corporate wellness program would go into a company and say, hey, let's bring you yoga classes, workout classes, um, you know, healthy snacks, and so on and so forth. I come in and write this behavior change, this habit change program for the group. So building accountability teams and helping them, you know, with their thought processes and really doing this behavior change program as a group and having them create a support group. Um, and then there is one-on-one -on -one coaching. Um, there's obviously a limited number of slots. Those are for sort of the special cases um, that I do virtual coaching, but privately. Um, and then there is a digital version that is self-contained that has these action plans and the step-by-step, um, has a meditation section, sort of an eight-week successive program with habit change exercises, action plans, a workout, um, mindful eating, um, all these levels to it that is self-contained. And then you can add on um, private coaching sessions if you want to check in um, with me or if you have questions and you need additional guidance. So there's sort of sort of a build your own program. There's multiple levels in which you can you can approach it. Awesome. And so share with listeners how they can get in touch with you, Allison. Sure. You can go to ionlifestyle.com, A-I-O-N lifestyle.com. Um, and there's a contact me. You can send me an email um, or you can uh, ask for an assessment and we can speak further. Um, or you can send me an email directly from that page if you have particular questions um, and you want to reach out individually. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so very much for your time today. I really appreciate it. I think that um, between your expertise and, and the unique way that you got into, or I should say your unique background and, and how you were able to break things down when it re relates to mind-body wellness was, was really awesome. So thank you so very much for your time today. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Awesome. Have a great day. Ladies and gentlemen, I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast today. My prayer is that it has helped to change your life, to make a positive impact in your life. And I just want to let you know that every single day, the first goal that I write down is I have changed 1 million lives. So ladies and gentlemen, if this podcast helped to change your life today, I would ask you to please go on to iTunes, rate, review, and share this episode with somebody else who you know will benefit and have their life changed. Thank you again so very much. It means the world to me. Go out there and be great today. Make a positive impact in the world.